0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, going to preview the Michigan football team's game against Indy. Lots of preview content already up and more coming over at the MichiganInsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Be sure to check all of that out to get your fix on a, a game that, that has the potential to be very intriguing just because of the, the dynamics of the season. The Wolverines are coming off of a loss to Michigan State. Um, wondered, we'll talk about this more uh, in more detail in a moment, but wondered how deflating it would be for Michigan. Seems like it, it isn't. Uh, it's certainly not compared to last season, and and maybe that 2017 loss to to Michigan State. Ironically, they played Indiana after, in both in all three of those games. But uh, anyways, so we'll talk about some of the key storylines in the first half of the of this episode, some of the keys to the game, you know, with Penn State looming, with uh, you know Ohio State looming a little further down the schedule. What does Michigan need to show? And then in the second half of the episode, we'll make Some of our predictions talk a little bit about how we think the Wolverines stack up against the Hoosiers. So, Steve, first, I think this is the main storyline coming out of this week. Michigan players talked about they had a players only meeting. Doesn't sound like it was anything dramatic, sounds like it was just more keeping everybody on the same page about the season not being over. Um, So, I don't, I don't, you know, read into it too much that, oh, they had a, players only meeting. Sometimes that's a, that's a big deal. They don't do it often, but I think it it sounds like that was a little bit more just recalibrating. I, you know, hitting the reset button and understanding that that there is something to play for. Cause honestly it, it didn't feel like it right after they lost to Michigan state, just because, you know, Ohio state uh, constantly, you know, it it seems like no matter what record Michigan has going into that game, Ohio state wins. So I understand where fans might feel like there's some inevitability to it. But Steve, I don't know about you. When I, when I saw Michigan ranked number seven in the college football playoff rankings, uh, that told me that Michigan very much has everything to play for. And they even have a have an outside chance of going into the final week of the season. They have to win against Indiana, Penn State, and Maryland first. But They have a chance of going into that final week of the season, a top five team, and literally one victory over Ohio State away from liking their playoff chances quite a bit. So, Steve, I'm sure you've read some of the quotes that the players have said from these press conferences, uh, talking about sticking together, talking about how there's not finger-pointing this year. Um, Obviously, some nature of it is just, that's of course that's what they're going to say. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of finger-pointing. Or oh no, we're not going to stick together, but but what what's your assessment of what's being said? You know, the players only meeting, and I guess the, and then your thoughts also on the college football playoff ranking? Can can that be something that maybe incentivizes Michigan? You know, they say their season's not over, but then suddenly the the one committee that decides who goes to the playoffs is, is definitively saying their season is not over. I'm curious your thoughts on all.
2: First thing, um actually gonna applaud the committee I think they pretty much got it right I think Michigan should be ranked above Oklahoma I think Ohio State should be ranked above Cincinnati Uh, I thought they did a great I think Alabama should be in the top four Uh, I thought they hit it out of the park honestly so um, so props to the committee usually don't I, I don't usually feel that way when these rankings come out but I thought they pretty much got it right. You know, you're looking now at a situation where Michigan's only loss is to a, well, the top four, a playoff team on the road. Um, you argue Michigan and Ohio state have the two best losses in the country so far this year, just going off of a strictly off of a resume situation. So props to them on that. Um, the team meeting stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I think we said at the end of last episode, I feel like a lot of this stuff this year is more legit. I don't think there's any, any uh, doubt that this, this team, both these units, the, the program as a whole, there, there's a lot more cohesion. Um, everyone's on the same page. It's clear that hasn't been the situation in years past. So I totally believe them uh, when they talk about that type of deal. And, and, the season is absolutely not over i suspect if they win out they will go to the playoffs i'd be very surprised, even if they don't go to indianapolis um i think i think there's a scenario brewing where michigan and michigan state could make the playoffs uh, as crazy as that is so you know it's going to be interesting either way uh but overall as far as the teams stand uh their their um mindset, et cetera, et cetera, heading into a game against Indiana. I I don't see this being a letdown type situation for them, uh, particularly. And you might be right. It it literally could be just because of that ranking comes out. You see it, you're Michigan. You're like, okay, you know, we have two huge resume booster games still remaining on our schedule. You know, like I said, you could argue they're in control of their own destiny. So, you know, a lot on the table still. and, And in a lot of ways, not, ton has i mean tell me if you agree here i in a weird way it's almost as if not really much changed actually um if they say that if they'd have won on saturday and then lose to ohio state in the final regular season game final game of the regular season i, I think i think their eventual fate is the same as it would be coming into that game with the one with one loss i i don't know if you agree yeah, you might I, be right you know i mean
1: it's it's it reminds Maybe. me of 2016 where no matter what, if they were going to lose to Ohio state, they weren't going to Indianapolis and they weren't going to the playoff. That's that's you know, the thinking sense. Thinking about the loss to Iowa, right? You know, they lose to Iowa and it's, it stings and it feels like the margin for error is narrower. But the fact is, yeah, if they lose to Ohio state, there's no scenario I think where they're going to the playoff, I guess in 2016 if they hadn't lost to Iowa and they played Ohio State that close you know maybe they get they get pushed in over Washington but I don't yeah I'm with you I mean you probably there probably is no playoff period without Ohio without beating Ohio State right and and everything is forgiven if they do you know even if Michigan State loses a couple games down the stretch uh, that's still a four-point road loss and then one thing I noticed, Steve, just looking at some of the teams that were that were ranked, is it does seem like the committee appreciates the analytics rankings a little bit. Like it did, you know, thinking about Alabama being where they were, um, you know, some of the other, you know, thinking about Oklahoma being lower is, you know, those analytics sites they're really based on game control. You know, who wins the yards per play, who's averaging more yards per game, who's having a lead in more of these games because that over the course of a large sample size, that tends to dictate who the better team is. And so that's where that, that loss to Michigan state for Michigan, where they did win time of possession, yards per game, yards per play, uh, third downs field position. They led most of the game. You know, I think it's almost, yeah, it's almost like a, a forgotten loss. I mean, obviously if they'd win, if they'd won, they'd be in the top four but as you said if they're in the top 4 and they still lose at home to ohio state
2: and don't get and don't get the trip to indianapolis that extra game to potentially boost their resume
1: again right you know yeah. it's it's possible they get left out fair to watch
2: oklahoma though just because i mean baylor oklahoma state both rank pretty highly so they do have a couple games on their own schedule like they probably yeah i think both, right? they probably
1: control I hate the phrase control your destiny, no, but. Uh, but they do control their path to the playoff. Wake Forest probably doesn't, but, but yeah, yeah, you're right. If Oklahoma looks good in big wins, they'll, they'll leapfrog. I mean, the fact is all of this is moot for Michigan unless they beat Ohio state. But I think the fact that that, that carrot's kind of being dangled the way that it is, I think is a, is an opportunity for Michigan. And, and I will say, it does factor in it does make me feel more confident Michigan will make a new year's six bowl if they beat penn state right because that it clearly the committee values the big 10 clearly they value what michigan has done to this point
2: right so yeah i mean long story short i i i basically when when we look at this game it, it's it is it's a matter of do they rebound or is it a you know i definitely don't see a uh, getting beat twice type situation uh, like we talked about with Nebraska coming out of the when Michigan beat them you know I don't foresee that happening again this week I mean particularly because it doesn't look like Indiana starting a true freshman at quarterback on Saturday we'll see how that goes for them Um, but no I, I don't anticipate I I just I feel like I can buy what they say during the pressers a little bit more this year just because we've seen it you know we've seen them rally on the road we've seen them embrace the road environments uh, you know we've just seen more tangible things on and off the field that would lead you to believe that they that these guys are on the same page and, and are all focused on one goal
1: yeah I, I i buy i buy a good amount of what they're saying I, I think the one thing i'm always cautious of is is they tend to actually win after their first loss and then they play then their first you know next test is tough i mean i think about Um, in 2019 they lost at Wisconsin they they kind of put the pieces together put together some nice wins then they lose in their first big road test at Penn State and then they rally beat Notre Dame beat Michigan State win at Indiana and then they lose to Ohio State And, and and you could honestly look at that for with the 2020 season aside you could probably look at that for all of Michigan's teams is is you know it's it's not so much the home game against indiana it's the road game at penn state that that would be where we truly find out i guess because I, I think i mean michigan's had some bad teams that have beaten indiana over the years and and in this indiana team they haven't won a big 10 game yet you know i can say mcculler their their true freshman uh quarterback i mean this won't be his first start he actually did fairly well against maryland but the fact is, Indiana lost to Maryland. So they're clearly, they're not just banged up at quarterback, they're banged up at other positions. I don't know who all would be back for this game. I think uh, that's something, you know, that, that I'm sure Indiana would like to keep that, keep that a little bit secret. But, yeah, I think, I, I believe that they'll win this game. To me, I think how they win will say a little bit more about, where this team is at mentally because on paper as you said not a ton has changed they entered last week's game at michigan state number six in the country in the ap poll this week they're number seven in the country in the in the cfp rankings so michigan state looks a lot better but i think ultimately the way michigan played in that game did not change how they are perceived by the only people by you know committee the only people that really that really matters. So, um, and, and honestly, I think you and I were saying it the other day, if, if Michigan, Michigan state ran it back tomorrow, same location, same atmosphere, everything, I kind of feel like I'd take Michigan to win, you know, and just in the sense of like, not that, not that Michigan state isn't a very, very, very good team. I think, but I think for much of that game, Michigan did a lot of promising things. So, so Steve, I, I am curious though. Let's let's start with the offense. Um, heading into this game against Indiana, I I think there's a few things to prove. Uh, you know, on, in the passing game, maybe it's showing that it wasn't just a one game thing. Showing that it wasn't just against Michigan State. You know, can Andrell Anthony step up? Can Cornelius Johnson maybe? Step up after after a so so game against the Spartans. Can Mike Saber still continue to ascend? Can Roman Wilson come back maybe more in in earnest, maybe a little, a little bit healthier? I think it's been almost six weeks at this point uh, since his injury. So you know, can can the passing game look good? But then also the running game, I think, has some questions to answer. You know, is is are they going to be able to get back to that? truly dominant run game against Big Ten teams that aren't Northwestern and Nebraska? Are they going to be able to do it against solid defenses? And then I think, for me, my choice for what the offense must show this week to make me feel confident that they'll beat Penn State and they'll they'll go into that Ohio State game with one loss, I want to see the offensive line. I think the offensive line has to show a little nasty in this game because they'll have an advantage. I mean, this is a good matchup for them. But they have really struggled, uh, partly due to injuries. I'm not acting like they're they're not. There is an adversity that isn't out of their control. But I think the offensive line lost a battle they probably should not have lost on Saturday. I, I think you, you think about the experience on of Michigan's offensive line, the size, uh, you know, the the strength should have should have fared better on Saturday than it did. So for me, for the offense, the key to to Saturday being successful beyond a win comes down to how the offensive line performs. What what do you need to see, Steve, to, to feel pretty confident about this offense's chances the rest of the way?
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to up front, particularly in the interior. I think what the biggest thing in common does Michigan struggle with smaller defensive lines, right? And the Rutgers and Michigan State, probably the two most undersized big 10 defensive lines that they've taken on so far this year and
1: and Nebraska, you know, Nebraska didn't stop the run, but they had some pretty good pass rush doing a lot of similar concepts to, to Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken, where, yeah, they were, they were kind of taking advantage of Michigan's size advantage, if that makes any sense, just um, being creative, being aggressive and being quick.
2: Right. So, yeah, I think this starts up front. I see, I'm, I'm, not really that concerned about Cade McNamara uh, going forward necessarily. I don't necessarily need to see him. For me, as it comes to the passing game, I think it's more on the receivers on Saturday than it is the quarterback. I got to think Saturday was a a big step forward in McNamara's confidence. I mean, when you have people still – trying to pick his game apart on a throw by throw basis and not look at the big picture of how he played on Saturday. Uh, I think that's usually a pretty good indication that the guy is, is playing at a, at a higher level than what people maybe thought he was going to. Uh, you go back, yeah, there were some missed opportunities on Saturday, but you go back and watch the game and he made a lot of like big time throws throughout the game that I think people are kind of glossing over and forgetting about. So yeah, I think the receivers got to step up and yeah, I think up front, to uh, get the running game back going because that was one thing that Michigan State did. I think they did it better than we thought they would, even though we knew they'd try to sell out for the run. You know, I think they slowed Michigan down a little bit more than we anticipated. They didn't, Michigan didn't really have any explosive plays in the running game. Um, And then what about Blake Corum? You know, I think he, I think it's safe to say he had his worst game of the season on Saturday and, and maybe by quite a bit. So how does he kind of come back after that, you know, knowing that, you know, he's still a major, major, if not the biggest piece of the puzzle for them uh, down the stretch. So, you know, kind of weirdly enough for me, it's 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 almost everybody except maybe Haskins and McNamara are really the two guys I feel like you can count on on Saturday. I think it comes down to the rest of uh, the interior of the offensive line, the depth pieces at receiver, and uh, Ken Corum rebound.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point about Corum. Not, you know, it's. I guess it depends on how he views it. I, I don't think he's he should be in like some doghouse or anything. But but, but yeah, it clearly was not a, a a good game for him. It clearly was a step back, and and not to, you know, make it a bigger thing than it is. But but Michigan, I've. I've said for a few years now, I don't, I don't think they're getting over the hump until they have a star quarterback or star running back, like a true first-team All-Big Ten, potential All-American, potential top-50 NFL draft pick. Coram's the closest Michigan has come, honestly. And so, you know, not, not to you know, make it worse, because I'm sure he's feeling bad about the game on Saturday, but, you know, if Michigan's going to win out, as they would like to do, you know, make something out of this four game season as Jim Harbaugh puts it. Yeah. They need Coram to look like, like a star. I don't think they need him to be Kenneth Walker for the third, right. He doesn't need to, to absolutely carry the team. Cause, cause I think McNamara, you, you know, the way some of this, the quality of some of his throws, the conviction behind them, the confidence in some of those passes, you know, you can pick apart the deep, deep throws. They were off, um, but at the same time, I think, I think he's really cleaned up the stuff over the middle of the field. He's cleaned up some of the intermediate throws that were kind of eluding him against Wisconsin and Nebraska. Uh, Anthony, I think, is a big piece of this wide receiver room. I think the fact that Michigan, I mean, that's, that's the, the optimal result of a meritocracy, right, is Anthony starts to look a little bit better than some of the other guys. They give him a shot. He seizes it. Now the rest of the wide receiver room has to step up. You know, if you're Cornelius Johnson, if you're Dalen Baldwin, you're kind of looking across the field like, oh, he just put up numbers that we barely put up in three games, and so, you know, how how, how does the receiver room respond? But, but yeah, I think, I think ultimately this will be a, just, um, well, Indiana. You know, they're not quite last year's defense. They're not as good in coverage. I know they've been banged up in the secondary. They are brutal in the pass rush, Steve. I just looked it up. Pro football focus, their grade, overall team grade for pass rushing is the second worst among Power 5 teams ahead of only Vanderbilt and Colorado. I mean, they are outside the top 110 in that in that particular category. So, um, should be a good matchup for Michigan's offensive line. I mean... Seems like they'll be able to get the passing plays they want to get, but if they if it's cold weather and they want to just kind of stick their heads down and, and and run the ball, I think there'll be an opportunity there too. On the defense, I think there is a little bit more that Michigan has to show. They, you know, I think the defense has generally outperformed the offense all season for the Wolverines, but I think that on Saturday, that that was a, a game that revealed just how far Michigan's new look defense has, has to, I guess, has to improve. Um, not too concerned with the tackling, you know, someone like Josh Ross, I think, I think he'll be fine uh, in, in, in the next few games. You know, I don't think he's going to be missing tackles. Think about Nakai Hill Green, uh, Junior Colsa. I, I feel like that group will bounce back. I guess what I want to see is, what it's kind of philosophically, we talked about the substitutions the other day. You know, do they stop doing the substitutions? Do they do less of them? Do they have a different system that maybe is a little bit faster? Because I, I have to think, Indiana has has an athletic quarterback. Um, you know, they have an offense that you know they have receivers and tight ends who can play tempo. I gotta think Indiana's going to give it a try, right? <laughs> so, so that that's what I'm curious about because. Um, I know Michigan fans are, are definitely there's still a little trauma from having defensive coaches who are stubborn and just kind of double down whenever a team tries to exploit their weaknesses. So I'm curious to see how Michigan adapts and, and how that, how that front looks in run defense. Cause I, I think Indiana, uh, you know, with Carr as their, as their go-to running back, think they're going to look look at that Kenneth Walker film and say, how can we replicate that? So Steve, what, what do you need to see from the defense to feel pretty confident about the group moving forward?
2: Yeah, it's so that front area <clears throat> between the interior lineman and the linebackers. I think they both need to sort of have a rebound performance. Um, like you, I'm mostly confident that'll happen. You know, I've, it's weird as Indiana still has shot? they still have Freifogel, like they still have guys. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you. I think that they will probably try to at least see where they can get with the run based on how Michigan State was able to move the ball last week. Because, yeah, we talked about Michigan's pass defense for the most part in that game was was very solid. Uh, you know, cornerbacks looked really good. Safeties were solid in coverage. I know Dax Hill had a couple missteps. But, um, you know, I, I – I, really think it does like it does come down to their ability to tackle which of of the maybe of the things that that failed them on Saturday might have been the most frustrating based on how well they had performed in that area heading into the seat or heading into this game you know to see a lot of mistakes in that area I think has to be eating at these guys so you know, build back to the basics. Some fundamental type stuff. I think is really what they'll what they're probably focusing on in practice on uh, coming into this game, and I suspect that's what we're going to want to see. You know, against. I mean, this is an Indiana offense that sh- they should be able to to slow down uh, if it if they play anything like they've played uh, throughout the year. So, yeah, biggest thing for me: interior line linebacker play. Edges were, I mean, Ojabo and Hutchinson were excellent again on Saturday. Hill and Hawkins, um, decent, but again, maybe they're in, uh, in the tackling aspect for them too, I think is somewhere where it might be watched. So just to, basically you just take the middle part of the field, yeah, like all the way down. And I think, you know, we're going to want to see better tackling from those guys on Saturday. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, this – I haven't seen what Maryland has done like the last three or four weeks, but this is probably Michigan's least, like this is the easiest test for them to pass given it's on the road against Maryland and Maryland. I know has some, a decent passing attack. So, you know, this is a a test. This is something that Michigan's defense, they should excel on Saturday and we should see a rebound, but, um, you know, we're just going to have to see.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I am a little curious about the safety's pursuit angle that was something that um, stood out to me on a a couple of those Walker plays granted I think Walker's at a different level than Stephen Carr but Carr was a former top tier recruit Uh, you could argue he might have played his his best game you know thinking about strength of opponent on on Saturday uh, just in his his efficiency and in how he ran the ball so you know, he, he's got talent. I don't remember exactly where he ranked as a recruit, but you know, he's broken tackles. He's averaging almost three yards per carry after contact. Um, And on, on Saturday he ran for 136 yards on 21 carries with two touchdowns. So uh, 5.14 yards after contact in that game. So I think he's starting to, to hit his stride just a little bit. We're going to hit a break. And on the other side, we'll do our over-under predictions and talk a little bit more about what we think is going to happen in this matchup. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: All right. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Our our uh, over-unders are provided by Via Azul on the message board. Always... It keeps us on our toes a little bit. Last week, Steve, you had a, had a fantastic week. You went seven for eight, despite I guess both of our predictions going wrong. I went four for eight. So we are tied at 32 for 55 on the season. And that's with an offer from you earlier on this year. So you've, you've completed the comeback. So we'll talk about uh, the offense first, then the defense and special teams. Number one, Cade McNamara throws for 24.5 passes last week. It was way more than 25. Uh, Does he, does he, is this a game where they throw the ball a lot again or, or do they kind of go back to their, to their run heavy approach?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with the over. I actually think Michigan needs to continue to throw the ball though. Uh, As I said, I'm, you know, they need to get some more of these receivers into a rhythm. I mean, Andrew Anthony walked onto the field last week and was immediately in a rhythm, didn't need to really get going. Although you could argue that first pass, you take it all the way to the house that might put you into a rhythm. Actually, maybe that's a better way to look at it. But uh, I think they need to get these guys a little more involved before the last couple games of the season. You know, I think, you know, like, and to go back to earlier for a second, like with Coram, I—I mean, it's not a doghouse type thing at all. I mean, he just had his—he just had a rough game, you know. I was interested to see how he kind of rebounds from it, but I, I still think you can—you can rely on on uh, he and Haskins to, you know, produce when asked. And uh, so for me, I think a lot of it is getting get Sainer still going a little bit more. Uh, get see if Roman Wilson's a hundred percent. You know, and, and we mentioned Cornelius Johnson had a couple drops on Saturday, so I'm going to say over. I think Michigan maybe goes a little more to the pass again, just to maybe kind of keep building off of what they were able to accomplish last week. Because again, it was a loss, but there were some good things that came out of that game, and 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 a, what looked like a potent passing attack was was probably the, the biggest among them.
1: Yeah, I I I think it was. A, I mean, I've been saying they should work on the passing game. Like if if you're ever going to need it. You should be working on it whenever you can. I also think Indiana probably just with with some of the injuries they have uh, in the secondary. Like, at one point, they were missing both their starting corners. I'm not forgive me. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's still the case, but but regardless, they've had they've had some some guys ha- that, that have had to rotate in. Kind of a down year for them coverage wise. Uh, that's that's really hurt them actually compared to last season. Last season, they were able to shut the passing game down uh, against against some good teams, too. I think this is a game where Michigan should really try to pass the ball. I, you know, I think Anthony and Samer still are trending up. Um, I guess we'll see on Eric All status, but, but he's trending up quite a bit as well. Can you round into form and make teams really prepare for the pass? Can you get a, a an elite game from Cornelius Johnson, who, if I'm not mistaken, had a great game against Indiana last year. You know, can you get Roman Wilson back and healthy? Can can maybe AJ Henning? Is this is this an opportunity for him to, I guess, seize seize some extra snaps that might come his way? So there's, you know, I, I I've kind of called out the receiver room as maybe the most underachieving group on the whole team <laughs> the earlier this season, and and. They, they made a positive step on Saturday, but outside of Anthony and Sainer it was still a group that that maybe is still trying to find its way. So I, I think this is a big opportunity for them. And then I think just from a matchup standpoint, I could 24.5 high though. That implies that the game is relatively close too, doesn't it? So I'm actually going to take the under, but I agree with everything you said. I just don't know if they have McNamara throw it 25 plus times. Number two, Haskins and Coram average 5.0 yards per carry. So collectively, do they average 5.0 against Michigan State? Obviously, season long, they're a little bit above that, although Haskins is below 5.0 on his own. But last week, Haskins averaged 4.2. Coram averaged 3.5. So 5.0 sounds a little ambitious, but if Indiana's like a Nebraska or Northwestern, which according to the big 10 standings, they are, that should be doable. I'm going to take the over. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I was going to take the over as well. I mean, if Haskins was near five against Michigan state, I think that the two of them can, can go over five against Indiana. So I'm just going to go with that. The logic, uh, to take the logical route to the uh, explanation, but I'm going to take the over also.
1: All right. Our, Our man, our man, Neil is, uh, Trying to get a little intel from us. 9.5 catches for Eric All and Andrew Anthony. Obviously, there, there's two storylines there. One, does Anthony continue to be the starter at receiver? I think he does. Feels like it would be really hard not to. You know, I, I think the snap counts suggest that, that it's him, Cornelius Johnson, and Mike Sain are still in, And maybe a little bit less rotation than there used to be earlier in the season. And then, but I guess that also is a Roman Wilson uh dig on, on neil's part and then eric all who who limped off the field on saturday uh jim Harbaugh offered we'll see jay harbaugh i guess he he seemed to both elicit confidence but also maybe suggest that it is a little bit more serious but uh 9.5 catches for eric all Andre anthony over or under in your mind
2: i'm still gonna i'm gonna go take the over on this one just Feeling it again, Eric All single handedly, I think was it All and Wilson last week was the over under, and then All ended up getting it on his own. You know, with the yeah, I can't yeah. remember was it <laughs> catches and yards? Yeah, yeah, you know, I had a career
1: game. So. I mean, had ten catches, ninety eight. Right. Yeah.
2: So kind of called that one a little bit, but uh, but I'm going to take the over again. I suspect it's. I suspect he's going to play, and then I think. And there, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you don't start. Uh, Andrew Anthony again, he looked like one of the better blockers at the receiver spot on Saturday also. So you have a guy who made plays in the red zone and, and, you know, two huge two plays that we haven't seen from Michigan receivers in a while, a a great play in the red zone and a, and he houses one from 93 yards. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't see how he's not, uh, doesn't play, Uh, the majority of the snaps again on Saturday. And I'd also don't see, you know, I think he gets the ball again. I think Michigan, I think they've kind of found something here. And I don't, there's really no reason to go away from it now.
1: Yeah. He's playing better than any other receiver on the team. So throw to him, right? Like, you know, he was targeted nine times, brought in six catches for 155 yards. So even beyond that 93 yard touchdown, he was someone Michigan, Clearly had a lot of trust in. They were throwing to him on third downs. They're throwing to him in high leverage situations uh, and he was producing. <laughs> That's the big thing. So I'm going to take the, the over as well. Uh, curious how much Eric all plays. Cause cause here's the full quote from Jay yesterday was a walkthrough. So he was out there, but the guys weren't doing a whole lot in terms of intense stuff. I think he will play. Uh, we'll see Monday was the walkthrough yesterday. He was out there, but he didn't do everything. I think he'll be back at some point in the week. Do you save him? I mean, that would be the one. The one thing I would think of is like, I guess it depends on what the injury was. But if it's something that, he, that is limiting him for two straight practices, at that, at what point do you think? Okay, give him the week and play him against Penn State. But but to that, we don't we don't know. I I, I my guess is that he'll play maybe a limited role, but. If he gets two catches and uh, two or three and Anthony can get seven or eight, that's kind of a a high ask. I'm changing my mind again. I'm going under. All right, number four. I promise I won't change my mind on this one. Michigan scores touchdowns on 65% of red zone opportunities. So two out of three would be an over, uh, but a, a 500 percentage would be under. So far in Big Ten play, they are at 46%, so this is projecting some improvement or, or maybe Michigan making a point to score on more of the red zone opportunities. What do you say, Steve?
2: I guess this is like an over week. Uh, I'm going to go over again. I'm just kind of buying Michigan's offense on Saturday. I think when we talked about this in the last episode, I, I think they mix in a little bit more McCarthy in the red zone also. I'd like to see them do a little bit more with him. I thought them actually thought the past the touchdown to Anthony was a brilliant just design and and just that I think that's those are the types of things that he can kind of add, you know. So, I'm going to go with the over.
1: I am going to go with the numbers here and take the under. If they're if they're scoring on 46% of red zone trips so far in Big 10 play. I mean, even even against the teams that they've beaten pretty soundly thinking about wisconsin uh and i guess northwestern i guess they haven't beaten the other teams that soundly but you know they it it hasn't been there hasn't been a ton of games against big 10 teams where they're just absolutely dominating in the red zone i like the idea of mccarthy playing more in the red zone um i tweeted about that i think right after i saw that touchdown pass because i think i think he does two things that help in the red zone one he throws faster you know he's He's got a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. McNamara's maybe more like a 90. Um, And then the other thing, of course, is his rushing threat. So I think you'll see it more. I do think they'll have a little bit more success running the ball in the red zone, but I don't know. I mean, if they settle for it twice or they don't bother because they're up big and late in the second half or, or whatever, there's a lot of things that can cause a field goal or a kneel down in the red zone. So I am going to take the under moving to the defensive side of the ball 51 percent completion percentage for all indiana quarterbacks michigan's pass defense i i think quietly starting to at least against michigan state they looked like they were starting to round into form but but the one thing is it hasn't really come in the form of completion percentage allowed uh, that's that's more of an old you know mike zordich coach defensive backs thing this group Seems like they'll allow more completions, but they're going to limit the big plays. Uh, you know, just I guess that's just kind of how switching to zone defense, that's, that's and disguising coverages. I guess that's a little bit name of the game. Night game in November. True freshman quarterback gives me pause. I'm going to take the over on this number, though. Steve, how about you?
2: I agree. I'll go with the over. I think... <clears throat> Teams like, I think, more dink and dunk. You know, Freyfogle's had some success against Michigan in the past, so I'll go with the over.
1: Hendershot has, is a high-percentage guy, too. I kind yep. of forgot about yep. the tight end part of things. Yeah, Indiana, I'm sure they, they want to get rid of the ball, ASAP. All right, number six, Michigan allows 74.5 rushing and receiving yards to Carr. So we just talked about how he maybe had his best game of the season against maryland we talked about how michigan or not michigan indiana will probably try to replicate a little bit of what what walker does what do you think how do you think Carr fares against the wolverines
2: uh i think he gets the over but for because of a volume more of a volume than effectiveness standpoint yeah so you talk about Carr. i mean he was a top i mean i want he was i think he was a five-star if he wasn't, he was really close or he was, I know he was at, at one point in the process. He was a five-star prospect. So um, yeah, it was a big time player coming out of college, or coming out of high school. Michigan really liked him. He visited Michigan. And uh, so he's that, de- there's definitely talent there for sure. So I'll say the over, but I think it's just because I think, I think they're going to, you know, you talk about dink and dunk. I think they'll try to utilize them in the screen game as well. Uh, try to get him some more yards.
1: I'm going to take the over as well. I mean, the, the one thing is we've seen a couple times this year that Michigan, you know, some of these not too many running backs have actually had big play. But, you know, think about like Evan Hall had literally one play where he had 75 yards. I think he had five yards the rest of the game. Well, that's technically the over here. So, yeah, this, uh, you know, Carr is someone that gives Indiana a true shot against Michigan's defense. He finished the his recruiting cycle number 20. In the entire country. So from a true recruiting talent standpoint, he's one of the most talented players on the field on Saturday. You know, I think Daxton Hill might be the only one rated higher than him as a recruit. So yeah, I think I think they'll Indiana will try to use that to their advantage. Didn't realize how much of a receiving, you know, he hasn't been a huge receiving threat for for Indiana, only looks like 80, 93 receiving yards, but, but he's capable of it. Um, you know, in 2019, he had 143 in 10 games. And in 2017, he had 198 in nine games. So, you know, he's someone that, that is capable in the backfield. Uh, I got to think, yeah, as you said, the volume, they're going to, they're going to make it a, their best effort to, to have him have a big game as Michigan tries to sort out its run defense. Number seven, does an Indiana player get more than 89.5 receiving yards? So you talked about Hendershot, you talked about Fry Fogel. Um, feels like it's been several years now where it just seems like they, they have the next you know, good receiver, next standout receiver. Does anyone get to 90 yards? That feels like a high one for an individual receiving number with, with a third-string quarterback. I feel pretty confident taking the under. What do you think?
2: I mean, that was my initial, you know, a lot of these, you hear it. And you you think of when you think of going one direction right away without even looking at the numbers uh, it was under for me again, I think it's, I think it'd be more volume in maybe receptions for some of these guys than it will be, you know, big play yardage. You talk about Michigan's limited the big plays in the passing game, but also, that pass rush of Michigan's is, is going to force teams to throw the ball faster. So I think you might see a guy like Fry Fogle with like seven or eight grabs, but I don't know if he's going to get to 90 yards. So I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, under on that one.
1: Yeah. Still, still feeling. I wonder if this was a freebie, you know, cause sometimes we have bad weeks where we don't get a lot of them. Right. I wonder if he throws a couple of these easy ones in there just to, just to build our confidence a little bit. Cause, cause Michigan state, for example, had has two of the top, I believe, four receivers in total receiving yards in the Big Ten this season in in Reed and Naylor. And I know Naylor got hurt, but neither of them had more than 80 receiving yards. Is Indiana going to do better than that? I am inclined to think no, even with with some some true stars there. Um, Fry Fogle has 445 yards in eight games. Hendershot has 441 in seven games. Those are not... Yeah, yeah, this was... This was an easy one. All right, our last one: uh, which will be greater, Ajabo and Hutchinson's combined sacks, or the number of times Michigan goes three and out? Sorry, right, the eighth one is always a thinking cap one. We always have to use our use our noodle a little bit for it. So, oh, Ajabo Hutchinson, they have a combined fourteen sacks this season, but but Ajabo especially seems to be trending up. Michigan's offense there's there's been some three and out moments I'm I'm still working through this one Steve what do you think
2: I'm gonna lean towards the three and outs just because again I think I think you're gonna see Indiana try to negate Michigan's pass rush and and just get the ball out quickly so I'll go with the the uh, three and outs I, I don't think either side is really gonna be a high number I think this one this is one of those that feel like could go either way because Michigan obviously very capable of putting Indiana in some third and long situations where they're not going to have a choice, but to drop back. But, you know, I think Michigan also, depending on what they're trying to do on Saturday, I could see a few three and outs out there, um, you know, just trying some different stuff. So I'm going to lean with the th- three the three and outs though.
1: Yeah, I think I am too. Um, it's very hard to predict sacks. And, and we talk about you know Michigan you know Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajaba, they literally lead the Big 10 in sacks but but combined they're averaging what 1.4 per game something like that you know they they have 14 combined uh, Indiana's pass protection not great i mean they're 70th in PFF's grading system i'm not sure how many of those pressures allowed or sacks but yeah i mean the odds that Michigan has four, three and outs has got to be decent. I mean, Indiana, you know, they, they limited Penn state to 24 points. They limited Michigan state to 20 points, including six on a, on a pick six or seven on a pick six, I suppose. Um, Ohio state made it look silly, but, but their defense is supposed to have a pulse, you know, Maryland, I guess also makes that look a little silly, but regardless, yeah, every team's going to have a couple drives where stuff just isn't working. They, they throw two incompletions on first and second down, and then third down it just doesn't really work out. I think there's I, – I, I'd take the three and outs in that total. All right, Steve, final thoughts on this game? Anything you haven't already said? Anything that you're keeping an eye on? We've, we've actually been pretty good about calling our shots a little bit. You know, thinking about Andrew and Anthony last week, Eric Gall's ascent. Um, the other ones have all escaped me, but I feel like we we have one or two things that we get right every, every single podcast. What do you think, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday?
2: I think Michigan's passing game keeps it going. I think Andrew Anthony continues his sort of breakout deal here in the second half of the season. I don't know if he repeats Saturday's performance, but I do think he maybe cements himself as the number one guy. So... I, I just have a hard time seeing Michigan lose this game um, with their favor by about three touchdowns. I'm going to go with Michigan 41, Indiana 17. I think Michigan wins comfortably. I think it's a blowout.
1: Okay. I think it's also going to be a lopsided victory. I, you know, I, I think one thing that I'm still looking for, I didn't mention it in offense or defense is can Michigan really assert itself in the first half, half because the michigan state game aside they were technically up by what nine points at, at halftime against the spartans but that's with michigan state throwing two interceptions that's with a 93 yard touchdown that you can't necessarily you know just can't count on that every game all these other games they've kind of gone into the first half or halftime a little sluggish offensively they had 10 points against northwestern they had 13 against nebraska They had I believe it was 13-10 at Wisconsin. You know, I guess Rutgers, technically, they have what, 17? But they really haven't, at least since Big Ten play started, other than, I guess, the Rutgers game, 17-3, to they really haven't buried a team in the first half. It's been more the first, the second half pull is is what it's been. So I'm very curious about that. I don't have a prediction on that. I just – that would be one other thing that would be assigned to me, Michigan – has found a rhythm um, offensively is, is what, what does it look like in the first half? Ultimately, I do think Michigan wears Indiana down. I think this is a, it, this Indiana team is probably going through a lot of what Michigan was going through in 2020. You know, some, some early disappointment, clearly, you know, injuries are playing a major role both on offense and defense. A lot of players are, are kind of, they're just kind of getting through it at this point. You know, it's just, it's just, a uh, brutal schedule you know it seems like game after game they're playing in a ranked team i think at one point they had six games on their schedule against top 10 teams because they played iowa as their as one of their crossover games they played um cincinnati in non-conference you know and then obviously the big 10 east is a is a monster in itself so yeah i think i think michigan wears them down eventually i i, I guess the question for me is how good does the offense look? I'm going to say Michigan 34, Indiana, I will say 13. Michigan 34, Indiana 13. That's my score prediction. If you couldn't tell by my, my, the way I said it, I kind of came up with that off the top of my head. But regardless, lots of preview content to come, lots of uh, deeper looks at what Michigan has to do, what Indiana brings to the table. Going be, gonna to be fascinating. Going to be cold if you're going to the game. I think the, the kickoff temperature is projected to be like 38 or 39 or something like that. And obviously it'll get colder throughout the night. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next time.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.